Um, I don't know if you've been to any other churches recently, but isn't it amazing and awesome and wonderful to be at this church with Pastor Rob and Pastor Pauline. Let's honour them and give them a round of applause this morning. So um, welcome to church. Uh, And if you are visiting or here on holidays and guests here today, very warm welcome to you. We're so glad that you're here today. I hope that you're having a really great morning. This morning I want to read from Daniel 3 um, about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. If you've been to church, maybe as a child you might have heard about them in the um, Sunday school sort of styles. I was trying to look up some pictures and everything was cartoons. So I guess it's a story that we tell little children quite often. Um, Just before we do, I've got some pictures. So this um, account in the Old Testament was about something like 600 years before Jesus under this king called Nebuchadnezzar, desperately hard word to spell. Um, There's a lot of uh, historical artifacts left over about Nebuchadnezzar. Here's a Um, what they call a cylinder, Babylon cylinder or something, and it's writing all about Nebuchadnezzar and the roads he made and things like that. Recently sold for $600,000 to someone, so they were a bit desperate, weren't they? Um, Here's a, this is called the Babylon Chronicles, and it chronicles about 10 years of um, Nebuchadnezzar and, and the beginning of what he was famous for and what we read in the scriptures about how he began to take over and eventually destroy Jerusalem. So he was, um, you know, he united the whole ancient world, Assyria, Egypt, Nineveh, the whole Mediterranean area up to um, Persia and the Arabian area. And they basically said like Babylon is the center of the world. And apparently if you look at maps from that time, Babylon's right in the middle. It's where Iraq is now. And it was called the center of the world or the whole universe, and it was all because of this dude, Nebuchadnezzar. He made all these roads and parks and did lots of decorating and um, united this whole mass of land. And as I said, he was also famous for destroying Jerusalem, but not all in one go. He sort of did it in stages. And there's quite a few books in the Bible um, of historical account where it talks about how this occurred. And in that middle part of the Old Testament where there's kind of all these prophets I mean, Jeremiah crying and all this sort of thing. I mean, it's all to do with this time under Babylon. So what happened was um, Nebuchadnezzar, like, taking people for, for Babylon, and the Jewish people felt that they had to, they thought that God wanted them to fight against this superpower that was taking over the world. But God's true prophets were saying, God just wants you to be faithful to God, and he's allowing this power to occur in the world for his own purposes. He's going to do something with it, and he doesn't need you to fight his battles for him. Just be faithful to God. Um, But they didn't listen to God's word, and they continued to try and battle against this superpower until eventually Jerusalem was completely and utterly destroyed. Um, And we read about that in the book of Lamentations. If you ever thought, what is that dude lamenting about? It is the decimation of Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple. Every brick from every road and every house was just rubble. No one was left. Not one single house was left standing in Jerusalem. But the part that we're reading about today with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what fun names, um, that hasn't happened yet. They thought it was really bad what had happened so far in that you know, a bunch of their people had been taken by Babylon, but they're about to look back on these as the halcyon days as their, of their happy youth in, um, in Babylon. 
So we'll read together from Daniel um, 3.16. I don't have it all up on the um, screen, but I'll just read it out. So at this point, as I say, he hasn't destroyed Jerusalem yet. There's just been this kind of first wave of taking all these strong, attractive, healthy men and women and making them work for Babylon. Uh, And then Nebuchadnezzar sets up this big golden statue and he says, when the music occurs, when the music happens several times a day, everyone has to bow down and worship this golden statue of me as God. And obviously the Jewish people are like, "Mm, we're not going to do that. We're not going to worship a golden statue as God because we worship the one true God. They didn't actually go to Nebuchadnezzar and have a protest or anything, but they continued to just be faithful and pray uh, throughout the day as they usually would. And so some of the officials who were, I guess, racist and political against the Jews come to Nebuchadnezzar and they say, um, well, they're telling on them, they're denouncing the Jews. And And they say about these three men in particular, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're like King Neb, Every time the music happens, these guys do not bow down and worship. And so he uh, calls them in front of him into his courts, into his palace, with all the officials all around, and he says, guys, uh, I'm ad-libbing, guys, um, when the music happens, you have to bow down and worship, otherwise you have to be thrown into the fire and killed. It's grim back in that day, wasn't it? And he says, and if you don't do that, whose God is going to save you then if I throw you in your fire? And let's read their response from that point on, Daniel 3.16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If you throw us into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not... We want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. And then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them has changed, and he ordered the fiery furnace heated seven times hotter than usual, and he commanded his strongest soldiers to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes and their trousers and their turbans and other clothes, were tied up, bound, and thrown into the blazing furnace. And the king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into this blazing furnace. Then... King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we threw up and threw into the fire, tied up and threw into the fire? And they replied, certainly, your majesty, obviously groveling at this point because there's a fiery furnace involved if you disagree with this guy. But he said, look, I see four men walking around in this furnace unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. And Nebuchadnezzar approached the opening, and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. 
So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego came out of the fire and then all the prefects and the governors and the satraps and the royal advisors crowded around them and they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies nor was a hair on their head singed and their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of even smoke on them. He goes on to say that then their God should be honoured throughout the whole land. No one can say a bad word against these guys' God. And then he promotes them into positions of power in Babylon. Isn't that amazing? So we here in Port Lincoln know probably a little bit about fires. Uh, Many of the people in this room, and if you're listening on the podcast, you would have been involved in in a fire or some sort of bushfire, or at least we're all aware of You know, the trauma and ongoing devastation from the bushfires just at the start of this year in Australia. We all thought that will be the defining thing about 2020, didn't we? So I came from New Zealand. I didn't really know anything about bushfires until I got to beautiful Port Lincoln. And I had um, my first experience. I was visiting my friend in Tolka. It was a really, really hot day. And there were the proper bay road fires. Uh, So I was with my two very little girls at the time. We were there at my friend's house. She heard there was a fire. She kicked us out, locked the doors, and hooned back into town. And I was left like, oh, okay, I guess we're going. Get in the car, kids. Um, But by the time we got to the road, it's just thick black smoke, um, so thick you couldn't see anything. You know, they're releasing the wild stock. Horses are going past my cars. There's the police there saying, turn around. And I thought, oh, I guess... I'm going back to Tolka. Such a hot day, of course. Me and my girls had no water. We're just in flip-flops, singlets and shorts because we're having a day at the beach. So I went back to Tolka and I thought, oh, man, what do I do now? So I just had to, I was only pretty new to Port Lincoln, so I had to just go up to some random person's house and be like, hey, can you look after us, please? I don't know what to do. And luckily they did look after us. And we were just sitting there like, And we saw this house totally go up in flames. And we're just kind of waiting to see what the wind would do. And they said, oh, man, I hope, you know, whoever it was wasn't sheltering in the house. And I thought, isn't that what we're doing? And then a boat came. And and this guy was like, does anyone want to, like, be evacuated? And I was like, me, save me. Get me out of Tolka. So... We jumped on the boat with this lady with four massive dogs and they hooned us around to the other side of town where my friend picked us up and we went to her house for the night. In the meantime, my house out in South Lincoln had been evacuated because um, maybe, I don't know if the fire was there, but the smoke was billowing over all those houses so the whole area had been evacuated. My friend had gone over there and got my dog and then we all stayed the night at my friend's house. My kids thought it was the best day ever And all night, they're like, can we do that again tomorrow? Because to them, you know, we had a great day at my friend's house at the beach, and then we made new friends, and they got heaps of ice blocks because the power was down, and we had to, you know, keep everyone cold. And then we went on a speedboat with all these giant dogs. And then for some reason, them and their mum and our dog stayed the night at our friend's house. They were like, let's do it again. And I was, you know, that's that's one of the scariest days of my entire life. I never want to have an experience like that ever again. You know how you shelter children. But I think it is so... Oh, so that next day, I went back home. 
you know, it was a really hot day, so every window in my house was open, washing all on the line. And the thing I remember most about it going home was the smell of smoke. You know it. You know, obviously all the washing had to be rewashed, but every room, every window in my house had been open. And so you clean for a week and you think every surface is clean, but then a breeze comes through and you just smell it again, don't you? It's on every curtain and in all the fabric, the smell of smoke just lingers around. And I think it is so evocative, the scripture of the the length and the breadth and the, the extent of God's saving power that it says, no harm to their bodies, not a hair on the head was singed, their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of even smoke on them, no smell of smoke on their clothes. Such an, a, 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 such an amazing image, isn't it? If people, you know, if people came to Port Lincoln the day after we had a bushfire, you don't need to tell them because they can smell, even like a week later, eh, when it rains, that first rain comes and then that, you know, it just comes up from the ground, there's that acrid, bitter smell of smoke. You don't need to tell anyone that we've had a fire here. But Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who'd been thrown into the fiery furnace, you could have met them as they were leaving the palace and you wouldn't have been able to tell. You could have seen them down the market as they're getting their dinner that night. And you'd be like, oh, hey, Shadrach, did you hear the news today? That, like the price of figs has gone up. This is the big news in town today. You would not have known what they have gone through. There is no smell of, clo- of smoke on their clothes. Like there was no lingering trauma left on them because God had saved them, not a little bit, but completely, completely. There was no lingering stuff left on them. And this is what God was saying to the people of Israel and to us today. Because God knew that things under Babylon were going to go from bad to much, much worse. And he was holding these three men up. He saved them for their sake, but he also saved them as a sign. He was holding them up as a sign saying, Jerusalem, you are going to walk into this fire But as I have done for these three men, I will do for you. If you walk through the fire with me as your extra person in there, then I will get you through. And not just barely, not scraping through, not damaged on the other side, but stronger, able to straight away go and help others. That's the sign that these three men became for Jerusalem and for us. God does not want us to be broken by the troubles that we go through in this life. We're going to go through troubles, but God wants us to come out the other side. We've all seen people who are, you know, they've gone through life events that are hard and they are broken by them and they never actually recover, do they? And you might not smell it as such, but you can see it. You can see it on their faces. You can see it in their choices. You can hear it in their voices. You can hear it in their language that they are, they've stopped there and they, they're never really going to move on for that place. And I'm not belittling any troubles or trauma that we go through. Personally, I feel like I've been through my fair share this year alone, and I really don't want to go through any more. But we look at not our feelings, but the Word of God, 
And the word of God shows us Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What good would it have been if they came out of the fire burnt, no eyebrows, no hair, stinking of smoke, skin all damaged? They'd have to be looked after by other people for decades to come. But God's saving power is to save us to the complete extent that as soon as they stepped out of that fire, they were a sign of God's saving power. As soon as they walked out of the palace, they were leaping for joy and telling other people and able straight away to help other people. This is the extent that God wants to bring us through troubles. So, you know, if 2020 taught us anything, it is that we do not know what the future will hold for the world. 2021, here it comes, ready or not. We don't know what will happen in the world. I don't know what will happen in my life. We don't know what will happen in your lives and households and families. But we do know what the Word of God says. Paul gives it as a warning, 1 Corinthians 3.15. He says, some will be saved, but they'll be like someone barely escaping through the flames. That's a warning. God doesn't want us to just get through by the skin of our teeth or just, you know, get through as though we're barely escaping the flames. He wants us to be victorious. God wants us to be spiritually resilient, which will then flow into every area of our lives. And I have two keys that I want to share with you this morning. And the first one, as Pastor Rob was already mentioning in communion this morning, is not to be surprised and panicky. Don't be surprised when hardship comes. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Peter says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as though something strange is happening to you. We don't want to be surprised and on the back foot, paralyzed um, and caught unawares when hardship comes. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world you will have trouble. Peter says, don't be surprised when hardships come. What would it be like if you lived in a bushfire prone area and you never prepared for it and a bushfire came and you were paralyzed with perplexity? What is the strange thing happening? You would be rightfully called stupid. Bit of an idiot. The Bible warns us not to be surprised, but to be prepared. So don't be surprised if you have troubles in your marriages, like something really strange is happening to you. We don't say this sort of thing at wedding, but it's so true, isn't it? You don't have to look very hard. You might be able to find a song or a book or a movie that talks about how relationships are just hard. It doesn't mean God's abandoned you or something really weird and unique is happening to you. It just means marriages are hard. Men and women are way different and marriages are hard sometimes. Don't be surprised by that. Just be prepared and deal with it. Don't be surprised if you have problems with your children whether they are babies or toddlers or teenagers or even adults, I guess. I'm not there yet, but I guess it's true. As though something strange is happening to you. Don't let that paralyze you in fear because you're so surprised at this new thing that's happening. Just be prepared so you can deal with it and get on with it. 
We shouldn't even be surprised really that there was a worldwide pandemic. Why should that surprise us? You know, viruses are contagious and we fly a lot between countries and no one really washes their hands enough. Like it's not something really strange happening. This doesn't mean that Satan's winning or that God has put us under a curse or something weird about one world government. just means we're really not that good at washing our hands. Why should a mature believer be panicky and surprised when hardships come and dismayed? We don't need to fly off into a panic and be like, oh, everything's new and unprecedented. The Word of God tells us there's nothing new under the sun. There is no temptation that you are facing that isn't common to all people. So don't be surprised. Don't let our hardships catch us off balance and keep us stuck in one spot. And the second key is we've got to stop seeing hardships as a curse, as a terrible thing, because the Word of God shows us that hardships are an opportunity. We see hardships in our children. We want to protect them from all hardships. We want to protect everyone from going through hardships. But it really is an opportunity for growth, for more faith, to develop more character, for more wisdom. It's an opportunity for miracles. So James 1, 2, consider it an opportunity for pure joy, says James. And he saw his brother crucified. Consider an opportunity for pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith will produce perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so you will be mature and complete and not lack anything. 2 Corinthians 12.10, Paul says, that's why I take pleasure and I boast in my weaknesses and in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and troubles I face as I suffer for Christ because when I am weak, he can be strong. 2 Corinthians 4.8.9, Paul says, we have troubles all around us, but we are not defeated. We don't know what to do, but we do not give up the hope of living We're persecuted, but God does not leave us. We are hurt sometimes, but we are not destroyed. As we see in Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, it's God's purpose to bring us through troubles and out to the other side, not broken and traumatized and having to be cared for by others for the rest of our lives, but stronger The Word of God doesn't say weaker and weaker. It says to strength, to strength, and glory to glory. If we stay close to Jesus through them, then you'll come out without even the smell of smoke on you. And we need to be embracing this and learning this because God has work for us to do. Ephesians 2.10, it says, You are God's masterpiece, and you're made new in Jesus Christ because to do the good works that he has planned for you. 2021, I don't know what will happen, but I do know that God has good works planned for you to do. Not only good things for you, but good works planned for you to do since he planned long, long ago. And we can't be broken to do those. We need to be spiritually resilient and healthy and whole to be able to complete those good works. So I'm not trying to prophesy troubles on you. Who knows? Like, maybe this year for you ahead, 
You won't have any troubles at all. Like, your marriage will be perfect. There will be no conflict in any of your relationships. You'll make heaps of money. your, Your business will be plain sailing. Everything you touch will turn to gold. It could happen, right? Praise God if it does. But if it's like any other year, then we're probably going to have some troubles. So what I want is for us to be able to, if you encounter troubles this year ahead, I want you to remember this really evocative image of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego coming out of the fire and all the people gathering around them and like touching their clothes and pulling back their clothes to look at their skin and lifting up their hair and breathing in deep and saying, wow, there's not even the, not even the smell of smoke left on them. So Beth, if you'll just come and play for us. That's the extent that God wants to bring you through that very trouble that you're facing. So you're stronger on the other side and a sign of the saving power of God if you're in the fire with Jesus. So I want to just pray to close now and let's just invite Jesus to be with us as he was in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And I don't know if some of you may even feel like you're in in a furnace right now or you're right on the edge and about to be chucked into it. So let's just pray as well. Like bring those things before God and say, Jesus, I need you to be standing in this with me. So let's just pray. Lord Jesus, oh, we thank you, God, for your encouraging word. That as the world is all about fear and uncertainty and panic and shutting things down, that your word says, even if we do face walking in a fire, you're, you're wanting to lead us through that to the other side where we're in a place of strength and victory. That your people will not be known as a people who are reactive and triggered and damaged by the troubles, but your people will be known by our love that as troubles come at us, They'll just make us stronger. They'll make us more compassionate. They'll make us more loving. They'll make us more outward looking, more generous, more wise. So we can be more effective at helping others through the troubles that they go through. So we invite you into our lives, Lord Jesus. And for those people here in this room and even on the podcast as well, who feel like they are going through like their hands are tied and they're going through a furnace at at this very moment. We just invite you into that trouble, into whatever that is, that relationship, that illness, that stress. We invite you into that, Jesus, and we declare, as you did for these three men, you will do for us. As we stand with you, You will get us through this stronger without even the smell of smoke on us. Amen. 
So just before, yeah, as Pastor Rob comes up to take us into the next part of the service, I want you to do me a quick favour. Come on up. I want you to just grab a bit of your clothing, give it a bit of a sniff, and turn to the person and say, not even the smell of smoke on my clothes. 